Um, I just wanted to say first thank you for joining me today on my baptism day. I've been overwhelmed and humbled, particularly this week, by the love and support that I have received. And I have really felt upheld in prayer. Um, whether you're here in person or you're um, watching from home online, thank you so much for celebrating with me today. Um, it hasn't been possible to invite you all to a big party afterwards, which I would really have loved to do. Um, but I have created a sort of token of celebration, which is over in the sort of cafe area. Um, and I would love it if you would pick one up on your way out. Um, that would be great. Thank you. Um, there is so much that I want to share with you, um, but first I will pray. Loving God, I stand here on my baptism day confident of your presence, your love and your blessing. I rejoice in your awesomeness, your love and your peace which surpasses all understanding. As I speak, please be in my voice. Help me to speak in a way that touches hearts and that brings glory to you. Amen. Once upon a time, I couldn't see and I couldn't hear. But this is not my once upon a time fairy story. This is my testimony. This is my truth. My testimony will continue beyond today. My experiences will become more numerous. My understanding and my wisdom will grow. As a child, I went to church most Sundays, but I had no faith and no curiosity about faith. People went to church because their parents did, and their parents did, and so on, and so on. Jesus was part of an ancient story passed down the generations like a fable. Um, and I assumed that no one truly believed. And because I wasn't curious, I didn't think to check my assumption out. Oh, is that, is that picture around? I just thought... That, I don't need it this second, but just if it's around... Okay. Um, looking back, I was first stirred by God when my eldest son was born. I felt an overwhelming... Oh, I'm crying now. <laughs> I felt an overwhelming need to say thank you to something. I turned to church and he was blessed. We moved cities and I found myself with new friends, many of whom are here today, um, and, and like Christian friends. I didn't ask questions, I didn't know what to ask, but I did listen. My friend Lorraine, who's going to hand me my towel later, nurtured my fledgling curiosity. God had placed me on her heart, and despite the many disappointments and frustrations, she has remained patient and present for over 17 years. I felt a disquiet making parental declarations at my daughter's christening and the vicar, who I think is watching online, um, suggested that I gave God a chance. We moved cities again and I found myself without friends facing crisis. God surrounded me with Christian support. He gave me wisdom to lessen my anger and hurt. He gave me a Bible verse. For I know the plans I have for you. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And he sent me an amazing rainbow dove. I started to pray. I joined a home group. I went on a Christianity Explored course. I started to hear God speaking to me. But after a while, life got better. Home group became inconvenient. I stopped praying. I chose to live life my own way. A few years later, I found myself emotionally drowning. I went to church and they sang. You call me out upon the waters. Keep your eyes above the waves. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. I sobbed. I confessed that I wasn't strong enough on my own and I needed God. From that point, I felt God within me. I noticed him in the everyday. I heard his voice more clearly. I became more curious and I sought opportunities to grow. But I continued to live the life I wanted in my own strength and I I just didn't understand. It has only been since I've moved here and joined this church that my life has really changed. I don't have a precise date or a moment that I gave my life to Jesus, but I know that I have. I know that I have because I am being transformed. I feel it and I see it in myself. God loves me. God loves me. I'm not just a randomness or some chance creation. God has imagined, planned, and intricately made me. He didn't create me to leave me and watch me from a distance. He created me to know him. He created me so that he could be involved in every aspect of me and my life. He knows my name. He hears my voice. He sees my face. He designed me to bring unique blessing to this earth and to the people in it. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I am so loved that God hasn't forced his involvement on my life. He has given me choice. Choice to live with him or without him. He has been patiently waiting for me to notice him and for me to invite him into my life. Now I choose to see God in every good thing. I choose to see God in creation, a leaf spinning on spider silk, the sound of wind in the trees. I see God in creation and I respond, how awesome are you? Help me to notice your awesomeness in the big and the small. Show me how I can care for this earth and all that there is in it. I choose to see God in the provision of each new day. Lord, thank you for the gift of each new day. Help me to put you first in each one of them. I trust in your provision and believe you will give me all the time I need to carry out your calling. I do not need to rush. I can take my time. Thank you for reminding me that interruptions and frustrations have blessing in them. Thank you that your promise of eternal life has released me from the pressure of trying to fit so much into this lifetime. I choose to see God in material possession. Lord, all I have is yours. Help me to be content with what you have given me and release me from my desire for more 
Help me to hold my possessions lightly, always being prepared to be generous. I choose to see God in others. Thank you, Lord, that we weren't created to live on our own, that you created us to be in relationship with you and with each other. Thank you that when we come together, we act as your body, reflecting all aspects of you and your nature. You have helped me to know that I am created with a unique purpose. You have freed me from having to succeed outside of my blessing. I no longer have to compare myself to or compete with others. I am free to love and encourage others in a new way. I choose to see God in me. Abba Father, I rejoice in the fact that you chose to create me. I marvel that when I open my eyes, I can see, that when I think a word, I can speak it. I thank you that you know my heart, that you are encouraging me in my strength and are using my weaknesses to declare your glory. Jesus, I was born to prefer my own way. I was born to a sinful and broken world. I know now that no matter how many good things I do, how nice I am, or how much I achieve, I will never be perfect. Thank you that you are transforming me. I rejoice in the knowledge that your love for me is like a mighty ocean, that nothing I do will make you love me any more or any less. Thank you that I can come to you in repentance and find forgiveness and that through your suffering and sacrifice, I can present myself to God as perfect. I choose to see goodness in my relationship with God. God, of every blessing, I thank you that all I need is a willing heart, that I can come to you with no understanding, not even knowing which name to call you by, and that you will welcome me. Thank you that you have stirred in me an unquenchable hunger and thirst for you. I trust that you will not leave me floundering, unprepared or overwhelmed, that you will reveal your wisdom in your perfect way and your perfect time. Your word is a lamp for my feet. Thank you that you reach out to me in the instinct and the coincidence. Thank you that I can hear your voice. Take her hand. We will work on it together. In her book, Eat, Love, Pray, Elizabeth Gilbert describes your voice. Then I heard a voice. It was merely my own voice speaking from within my own self. But this was my voice as I had never heard it before. Perfectly wise, calm, compassionate. How can I describe the warmth and affection in that voice? This is how I hear you too. Lord God, I offer myself to you. I choose to see. I choose to hear. I choose to recognise your awesomeness. I choose thanksgiving and worship. I choose to trust, to surrender, to obey. I choose you. I believe baptism is an expression of God loving me. It is his opportunity, his gift, and his blessing. It is an expression of me loving others, adding my blessings and gifts to the body of the church, providing witness of my faith, 
offering encouragement through my example. It is an expression of me loving myself. I can leave the old behind. I can be washed clean and I can be refreshed. And it is an expression of me loving God. Father God, you have called me to be baptised and I stand here ready in obedience to your calling. Amen. Thanks, June. Thank you, Ali. Let's pray, Lord, as we just unpack shortly now this, just for a few moments of our lives. Would you come and would you speak to us now, each one of us? Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, lovely. So we've been looking for those that aren't used to going, okay, what's this? Is this the point where Matt's going to chanter on for three quarters of an hour in some kind of boring sermon? I hope not. It's hopefully going to be only uh, 50 minutes uh, of um, mildly interesting sermon. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, No, we'll uh, keep it short and snappy if I can today, uh, and we'll have a look. But we've been looking at this recently, the foundations of our faith here in the church. We've been going back, if you like, to the basics, asking what really is most important of all. Last week we remembered when Jesus was asked this. Jesus, what's most important of all? He simply turned around and said, it's this commandment, it's this one. Love God. Love God. God. And we realised afresh last week, this wasn't a legalistic duty, that you must love God in this certain way. But this was an invitation to the most extraordinary, life-changing relationship. Will you love him? Because he loves you so much more than you could ever know. We realised that Jesus just, more than anything, wants us to know Father God. Do you know him? He's amazing. You'll love him. He's extraordinary. Come and get to know him. The invitation that Jesus would give to all of us again this morning. Today we look at what Jesus said next. He said, love God. And then he said, and secondly, love your neighbour. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But to do that, I thought I'd... uh, Start off, I've done a little bit of research, it'll make sense in a minute, but who here has a, um, a smartphone on them right now? You could see me checking every pocket before I got into the baptistry to make sure mine wasn't in it. Yes, who here has access either on this smartphone or at home to at least one bit of social media? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. Come on, come on, come on, I'm looking. Honestly, that is pretty much everyone. I see a couple of them out there. We don't do that kind of thing, young man. I like that. Um, like that a lot. But for most of us, we now have access, even if you have access to the internet. Think about it. You have access to more information right now than any human beings have at any other time in human history. Isn't that extraordinary? Literally anything you want to know pretty much uh, is out there. But the other side of that is that every single day, I don't know, well, of course you've realised, but you get bombarded with enormous amounts of information and stuff, like emails, stuff, and then Facebook, stuff, like everywhere, and you're just kind of trying to get your, your way through, like going through some dense jungle to find out, is any of this actually relevant or important to my life today? And you find yourself distracted and reading all sorts of things, you think... How has 25 minutes gone when I've just been reading, you know, about someone's breakfast this morning? What's happened to my life? 
Well, I thought I'd do a quick bit of research. Uh, so when I was looking at this uh, a couple of days ago, uh, I literally just got out my phone and went, right, how much stuff is in one minute of me scrolling through my Facebook feed? You ready for it? In order. Here you go. Here's the stuff. Not like personal comments from people. Panic not. Your, your posts are not on here. Um, so here we go. So uh, the first bit of stuff. This apparently is if you want to sell your castle or stately home, this is how you do it. I don't have a stately home, so that one was stuff. Uh, this one says, look at this photograph of a photographer taking a photograph of a man holding a photograph, singing about looking at this photograph. And I looked at it. For goodness sake, what a waste of my life. All right, next one. I, I Forgive me, I'm not a wood, wordler. Wordler, wordler, there you go, that gives it away. But wordler is the big thing right now. And apparently, according to one of my friends, that was a gutting one today. Words 216446 with the yellow blob. No idea. No more than you know. Uh, there you go. There's some stuff. Uh, and then I saw this. Uh, another friend. Outside the local pub. Football is 90 minutes of pretending you're hurt. Rugby is 80 minutes of pretending you're not. Hey. Right. Thank you. Next one, please. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, this is a good one. I like this stuff. Got distracted on this one. Remove one item. Oh, that's tricky. Do you remove the eggs? Do you remove the bacon? The sausage. If it's a cheap sausage, that's gone. For me, that's gone. If it's a good butcher sausage, that's staying. My, uh, my friend who posted this simply put, the plate. It's like, very good. Very good. Uh, this apparently is an app where you can make the Quaker Oats man sing. There you are. I thought you might appreciate that. There you go. Stuff. This apparently is a great debate. Which side does the toilet roll go? <laughs> do you flap down the front or do you flap down the back? There you go. Uh, this was a great one, post from my friend who said, hey, look, the Top Gear car just came behind me in the car wash. Great, thanks, that's marvellous news. Uh, would you like to buy this radiator that looks like a bench? No, no, I'm fine, thanks, it's fine. Aside from Morgan Freeman, if you could choose someone to narrate your life, who would it be? I still haven't worked it out. It's Morgan Freeman or no one for me, but that's fine. Um, this one, this one's good. Hooray, Jamaica have a bobsled team for the first time in 24 years. Back when John Candy uh, first was their coach, if you remember, in Cool Runnings. Yeah, there you go. That's the news. Um, this man has been photographing the same squirrel for six years. Stuff. I mean, it's cute. Stuff. But it's stuff. Um, and I think this is the last one. Name a chocolate bar or snack from your childhood that doesn't exist today and should be brought back. Come on, then. What? Star bar. Star bar. Now, is that gone? It's a shame. Oh, it's still around. Just, just your local shop. Yeah, you're fine. Your day's been made. Crunchy. Crunchy's still around, mate. I'll get you one of those. They're beautiful. Oh. Hey? Lion bar. Is that gone? We could spend the next 20 minutes getting distracted by stuff, couldn't we? The truth is, is, is that in any way, shape or form important to your life? Probably not. I mean, it's mildly amusing. The point I'm making is there is so much stuff. That was one minute of me scrolling and screenshot, screenshot, screenshot the stuff in my Facebook field. And I've got to kind of wade through this every day. You've got to do the same. So many things competing for our attention. We've got to filter what's important. But every now and then, occasion comes where a text comes through, or a message comes through, or a post comes through that really matters. It could be really, really important news. Maybe something really exciting and wonderful. Maybe something really sad or moving has happened. 
And we all instinctively know the difference in someone's face when they've read something that actually matters because we instinctively go, are you okay? What was that? Are you alright? I can see you're not okay or I can see that means something to you. What is it? It's clearly important. So many things in life don't matter but I simply want to say to you this morning some things really do matter. Really do matter. Today we've witnessed Kath, grown adult, mum, share her heart and a life journey, honesty, vulnerability, beauty. We've heard her reaffirm core beliefs and commitments to follow God with all she has. We've heard her freely choose uh, to enter into the water, which she did, and fully clothed to be drenched in this water and brought back up as a sign of her commitment, her faith, her thankfulness, as a sign of what she knows God has done for her in her life. I want to suggest to you today that what we've seen really does matter. Clearly matters to Kath. God matters to Kath. Jesus matters to Kath. And it's kind of moving and unsettling if we're not quite in the same place when we see someone make such a commitment. But I want to suggest to you that the love of God that Kath has witnessed to today doesn't just matter to her. It actually matters to every single one of us, whether we realise it or not. Perhaps, whether we've come to the point of realisation yet or not, this morning I want to say, the love of God shown in Jesus matters more than anything else in this life and in this universe. It's the most important thing of all. His love matters. See, in our reading today, thank you, June, we heard a follower, early follower of Jesus called Paul, address God by this beautiful name, or talk about God by this beautiful name. He calls him the Father of all compassion. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Friends, just like Kath, I want to be as open and as clear with you as I can be this morning. Else I'd be doing all of us an injustice. Just about how wonderful God really is. In the beginning, to describe him to you, I would simply have to say this. First and foremost, more than anything else the Bible tells us, he is love. He loves because he is love. All that is good and beautiful and heart-renderingly moving and life changing about love that we see in humanity is just a foreshadow of the love that comes from him. He is the God who loves me and he loves you, every single one of you here today. He is the father of compassion. A deep and powerful and moving love more than you can ever imagine towards you. Therefore, his love does matter to each and every one of us, whether we've acknowledged it or not yet, because it's deeply personal. It's not just some sort of wafty cloud of love that kind of wafts around and maybe you can step into it or step out of it. No, he knows each and every one of us by name. And he constantly, relentlessly and passionately is for you. For you, not against you. He loves you and he is 
for you. The Bible says he knows what we do, you do, each and every day. He knows when you lie down, when you get up. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Think about that for a moment. He knows. He knows right now the number of hairs on your head. It means he knows your shoe size and your hand size. He knows your character. He knows your likes, your dislikes. He knows your hobbies and your jobs. He knows our homes, our gardens, our bedrooms. He knows our hopes and he knows our dreams. He knows our deepest hurts. He knows our regrets. Friends, he also knows our hidden secrets, as Ali was praying about. Our flaws, our internal struggles, our mess, our mistakes and our frailties. Nothing is hidden to him. Everything, everything is known. And yet, despite knowing our mess and our mistakes, despite knowing the parts we try to hide from others and even try to hide from ourselves, our selfishness, our lies, our pride, our sin, fill in the blanks. Despite it all, the creator of the universe utterly, completely, and passionately loves us. Personally. Totally. The one who knows you best loves you most. Gosh, isn't that free? Isn't that amazing? I'm so grateful that that's true. The one who knows me best loves me most. You'd say to me, I love you, Matt, more than you could ever know. I'd say the same to you. I love you more than you could ever know. His love matters because we matter to him. The truth is, the hurt in our lives, this mess I've talked about, the shame, this guilt, this selfishness, this struggle, whilst we may try to hide it, he doesn't just brush it away. It doesn't work with him. He sees it. He knows it. And it turns out, it really matters. He knows it matters. He knows it matters to us, for him. Our pain matters. Our struggles matter. He knows we're not all we wish we could be. He knows that we've so often got caught up in destructive behaviours that hurt ourselves and others. Behaviours and attitudes and words that stop us being all that he knows you were destined and born to become. So it matters. Perhaps most of all it matters because so much of this stuff keeps us separated from his amazing love. And it puts up a barrier that we cannot tear down. There are many descriptions in the Bible to try and describe this mess, this shame, this mistakes, this rebellion, this selfishness, this my way. The Bible calls it sin. It's a word that's kind of old-fashioned, but that's the word it uses. Perhaps one of the most powerful images it gives us in the Bible is it's a bit like darkness overshadowing us, like living in darkness. I don't know if you've... uh, ever been in the pitch black. Um, It's really quite rare to be in pitch black, isn't it? But it's quite overwhelming if you're not used to it. I, you know, can think of the moments where you you go down in a deep pit, maybe on a family holiday to some mine or something, they turn off the lights for a moment and it is pitch black. It feels frightening and disturbing, overpowering. You see, darkness is a powerful metaphor used in many films and media today. And some of you won't like the Harry Potter movies. Some of you I know do. I was talking to a new friend this week. But there's a moment in one of the Harry Potter movies where Harry is sat on a train and he's sat in a compartment and uh, this kind of horrible darkness begins to close in around this compartment. This sort of evil uh, presence comes 
close to him and he begins to kind of despair and you can see it gets cold and, and you see this young little school lad and you think, oh, it's horrible, this moment where the darkness closes in. But he's not alone in that compartment on the train. There's a sleeping stranger next to him. And in the most beautiful and powerful moment, I love this moment, the stranger gets up and casts a light that's so bright in that moment that the darkness cannot stand it and flees and runs from it and Harry is rejuvenated and he's okay again. I want to tell you something really clear. The Bible says that Jesus is a light shining in the darkness for every single one of us. We're not on our own in the carriage. He's there and his light shines so brightly. He stepped into the darkness of our humanity This is what we know and we believe. God became human, like me and you. Flawed and fragile, yet he lived a beautiful and perfect life. He entered into our darkness and he declared this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but have the light of life. No one who believes in Jesus ever has to live in darkness anymore. And it was Jesus, as he walked this earth, who shone a light into every every life he met. He brought hope where there was despair, kindness where there had been neglect, healing where there was brokenness, understanding where there was ignorance, grace, oh grace, where there had just been judgment. The Father of compassion sent his Son into the world as a light. We saw the depth of his love in Jesus and we saw it most of all, most of all, on that cross. That's why the cross is at the heart of the Christian faith. Because that was the moment, that was the place that seems the darkest. That was the moment where God himself, although he'd done nothing wrong, beautiful, holy, perfect life, all he'd ever done was love, ended up on that cross, dying, humiliated, tortured, spat out in pain. And it seems like the darkest moment in all of human history as we humanity spit at him and kill him. But actually it was the moment where his light shone brightest. Because in that moment, he was hanging there for me and he was hanging there for you. He was taking all my mistakes, all my mess, all the stuff I try and hide. He knew it and he was hanging there in my place. Paying the price for it all. Getting rid of it all. And then, then, well, he defeated the darkness. His love defeated the darkness as he died in our place and he rose again, busting apart the power of, of, of death, the power of death over us, this constant sense that one day it all ends and we're just going to die and what happens then? No, it's broken now because of Jesus. There is life eternal because of Jesus. And in that matter, in that moment, the whole of human history was changed whole trajectory of humanity moved from darkness to light, from death to life. The doorway was opened and it matters more than we could ever realise. And it matters to every single person who's put their trust like Kath in Jesus. Who's put their trust and hope in him because that light, that love now shines in her life and it shines in the life of everyone who's come to him and gone, Jesus, I want to follow you. Come and shine a light in my life. Come and lead me on. 
we saw the most incredible symbolism. This cat went down in the water, died to her old way of living, rose up fresh, new life in Jesus, blessed and called to follow him, a fresh start with God. God's love really matters, and I don't have long to say this next point, and I'm not going to make it too long, but listen, I want to say crucially this morning, something that perhaps you're not expecting. His love really matters, but so does yours. So does ours. You see, we realise again on that cross how much God loves everyone in this world, each and every person. And now we hear this call that Jesus says, and now I say to you, will you love your neighbour? And in that moment we realise that our love also matters. It might be tempting to bat this away. Matt, this is classic Sunday school Christian stuff. You know, be nice, be good, follow the rules. No, it's not. It's not an insipid rule. It's a life-changing revelation. God says, will you love your neighbour? And if you think about it, that means that your love really matters. Because he's asked you to do it. It matters because your neighbour needs it. This world needs it. Father of compassion looks down on so many people struggling, so many people in darkness, so many people without hope, and he says to us, they matter to me just as you matter to me. So will you love them as I have loved you? Will you show them the love you've seen in me, you've received from me? The Bible says, as we read, as June read, the comfort we receive from Jesus, we can now give to others. To those who are in trouble, we can now share the love, the compassion, the comfort that we have received from him in our troubles. Just as we are comforted by him, so we can comfort those who are lost and struggling and hurting, who do not realise how loved they are yet. And that there is a light shining in the darkness for them too. His plan for Kath is that she is not just saved from her sin, but she is saved into a life of following Jesus now and sharing his love with those that need to hear it. A life of adventure, a life of risk. Yes, a life of trouble sometimes. It's not easy, but he's going to be right there with you every step of the way. And it's not something that you can do on your own. He says to you, Kath, freely you've received freely give. You have received the gift of the Spirit in you, softening your heart, giving you compassion, giving you eyes to see where his love is needed. And I want to say it's the same for every single one of us here who know and love Jesus. Love your neighbour, Jesus says, because it matters. Because it matters. Because whilst Jesus said he is the light of the world, he used some extraordinary language for us. The same language. He said you are the light of the world, folks. You are the light. His light shines in you now that you might shine his love in a world that so desperately needs light right now. Don't hide it under a basket. Love your neighbour because your love matters. And we're going to dig into what this loving neighbour looks like in this series. And I can't say all of it now. We're going to look at justice in this world. We're going to look at justice in in the areas of politics and law and medicine and immigration and poverty and finance and mercy. But I want to just say simply this morning, loving your neighbour doesn't just require the big, epic, huge plans and the big shifts in society. No, it can begin this morning by realising afresh how you choose to interact with your neighbour on a day-to-day basis, with your colleague at work, with your friends, with your family. It matters. 
how you notice the person at work who's struggling, you've taken the time to text or phone someone, the attitude you bring into the office or into the meeting that changes the atmosphere from criticism to encouragement. It's choosing to shut down the gossip, to speak well of your colleagues, your friends, your neighbours, even as Jesus said, your enemy. It's being patient with human flaws, choosing to forgive even when it's not deserved. It's not giving up on someone. It's speaking a word of belief into the ear of a small child with low self-esteem. It's giving a hug, a second chance, a smile. It's choosing to listen, not just to dominate. It's choosing to empathise and see things from others' perspectives, to stand up for them. It's choosing to say sorry when you know you've done wrong. It's choosing to serve when you feel like surely it's time that someone served me. It's not always easy. In fact, it sometimes costs to love. In fact, often it costs to love. But it matters. It's recognising the dignity in every single person, no matter who they are, their race, their gender, their sexuality, their political persuasion. Everyone, flawed and spiky as many of us may be, everyone is deeply loved by God and worthy of being loved by us. It's realising that in a world of so much struggle, pain, suffering and violence, the seemingly smallest acts of love can sometimes make a genuine lasting difference. Your love matters. To the child without a family, your love matters. To a refugee family without a home, your love matters. To a friend struggling with mental health, your love matters. To an elderly person struggling with loneliness, your love matters. To that person at work who is the butt of everyone's jokes, your love matters. God looks at you and says, even if no one else will, even if it costs, will you love? Will you love your neighbour because your love matters? I finish now. I need to. But friends, if you could, Bex, go over to the band, that would be great. There are certain things in this life that matter. I want to say to you again, God's love for you is the most important one of all. But loving your neighbour is another one. Because the truth is, whether or not you realise it, you matter. Every single one of you this room and at home tuning in. You matter. You matter so much that God died for you. He died for you because you matter. And your love for your neighbour now matters, he says, in this hurting world, perhaps more than you know. Think with me for a moment about this extraordinary truth that the Bible says. The Bible says, come to know Jesus you're God's masterpiece, created anew in him. To do the good things that he had planned for you long ago. God had plans for you long ago. And that plan was that you were going to know his love. And you were going to share his love. Because it matters. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you that some things really do matter in this world. Thank you that you love every single one of us so much that you died for us. Thank you that you rose again and you defeated death. And your light shines now in the darkness. For those that need to know your light this morning, I pray, come and shine in their hearts. Come and change their hearts to know how loved they are. And for those of us that are feeling weary or tired, remind us again that our love matters. How loved we are, known by name. But our love matters. And you've called us 
to love our neighbour in this world that needs to know your love through us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.